Shall we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus? We thank you that we can call you Father. We thank you that you call us your children. We thank you that you have qualified us to see another twenty-four hours. We thank you that you have qualified us to see another new year. We thank you that we experience your goodness, your generosity, and your mercies in this year. We thank you for reminding us that you have never given up on us, and that you will never give up on us. We pray. That may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight, in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Wow, we thank God for tonight, and tonight is the third episode of our discussion, our study, our prayer on seven prayers. God wants us to constantly pray in the year 2023. And as I've said in previous episodes, this prayer is actually one prayer that we have broken down into seven, and our prayer is from Romans six. From verse eleven, following, focusing on the verse thirteen, the B part that says that, or the the whole verse is that. Likewise, reckoning yourself to be dead, Paul says that. Reckon, see yourself as someone who is dead to sin, because actually you are dead to sin, but you are alive to God in Christ Jesus. So one of the things that Jesus came to do it was that He came to put us dead to sin and He raised us alive to God. So that was actually baptism signifies. So when they put you in the water, it signifies your burial with Christ, your burying of the old self, your your victory over sin, over death, and over sickness, over everything that accomplishes sin. And your raising up together signifies your resurrection into the new life, being alive to God. And we have been studying some biology for the past two weeks, and we have said that what does it mean to be alive to God? And that's what are the seven things we are going to pray for men. Our inspiration was was drawn from the fact that even in the natural world, there are seven generally there are seven characteristics of a life, and there are seven things that if any thing is able to do, it's considered as a living thing. And I'm sure we have all done living things and non-living things. And we draw a table when we're in primary school or whichever school, basic school, however you want to call it. So there are seven living things, and there's an acronym for it. That's the Mrs. Green. Mrs. M R S, then the green, G R E N. So movement, respiration, sensitivity, growth, excretion, and nutrition. If you are able to perform these seven life processes, you are considered as living. You are considered to have life. So to be alive to God, these seven things also apply. And the first week or the first prayer topic was talking about being sensitive. So to be alive to God means that you are sensitive to God, and this is very important, especially in the fact that we will be taking decisions throughout this year, throughout our lifetime, when to marry, who to marry, where to work, where to school, who to say yes to, who to say no to. All these decisions: when to hold on, when to give up, when to go, when to stay, when to apply, when not to apply, when to say yes. These are decisions that we will need to be able to respond to the. Promptings of God in order to act in accordance, in, in accordance, and that's why it's very important that we pray constantly in this year. That Father, may I be sensitive to you. May I be sensitive to your promptings, your internal promptings and external one. Then we looked at respiration. That was last week, and under respiration, we learned that 
Respiration is a cellular process. It's a process that occurs in a cell, particularly in an organelle, in a structure we call the mitochondria or mitochondria. My biology has said mitochondria, so that's the one I'm used to. So it's a structure within the cell which we call the powerhouse for the cell. It's where energy is generated for the cell to carry out its life processes. So instead of to be alive to God, it means that you are able to produce an energy to be able to respond to whatever God is telling you. And this is very important. So it is one thing knowing what God is saying. It's another thing having the energy and the strength to move in accordance to what God is saying. So in Proverbs 24 verse 10, he says that he who faints in the day of adversity, his strength is weak. Why is your strength or your strength is small? The reason why many of us faint in the day of adversity, and last week we looked at it, talking about the disciples, when Jesus took them to the garden and he told them that to pray, to watch with him. And he came and found them sleeping. And he, after three times he said, sleep on. For indeed, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this is the scenario of many of us. We know what we ought to do, but the energy to do it is what many of us don't have. And the energy comes from respiration, comes from the place of prayer. Prayer is our structure in us that enables us to generate energy to live out the purposes of God for our life. We need energy to be able to stand. And you see, this energy must be built up because prayer never dies. So the reason why many of us feel in the day of adversity is because we have not built up enough energy. Our power bank is dry. So the day we are faced with denials, the day we are faced with an opportunity to compromise, the day we are faced with a tough decision, we just do not seem to have the energy to take the right decision. And the same thing the disciples did. When they saw the soldiers coming and they saw the possibility of death, they all abandoned Jesus, even their man Peter. He did it three times because his strength was small. But God is telling us in the year 2023, build up capacity in prayer. Build up, store up ATP, store up spiritual ATP, store up energy. Because in the day of adversities, you will need this store of energy to respond. Now, the third one we are looking at is what we call movement. So that is the M, movement. Movement. And movement is a sign of life. In fact, this is one of the most obvious um, things about life, the ability to move. And I remember when we were younger, we used to contemplate on whether plants move or not. Because for many of us, movement has to be obvious, going from one place to another. Either you are flying, you are crawling, you are hopping, you are walking, there's some sort of movement. But we are told that a plant is a living thing, so how does a plant move? And I think in our first episode, we said that plants do move, but their movement is not as obvious as animals. So movement in plants is mostly called tropism. And if they move in response to water, some roots of plants are able to sense water. So when they sense water, they are able to move. Their roots are able to move to get to those places. And that's mostly called hydrotropism. Then we have phototropism, movement in response to light. Then we have gravitropism. So these are all forms of movement, whether obvious or not. But it's very important that we move. Movement is a sign of life. And you know, I like watching a lot of detective movies and this FBI and tax force movies. And one thing I noticed that whenever, mostly if it's a detective movie, the first scene is always about the, the murder scene. When the person dies, then they'll find a murder body or the weapon or something. Then they'll call the FBI or the tax force or the CSI or whatever. So one obvious thing is that maybe the person is going jogging. Then the person sees a body 
lying on the bench or lying on the floor or somewhere, what will make the person's attention go to the body is when there's no movement. When the body is just lying down, it's a sign that something is wrong. So movement is very important. Now, if you study movement in living organisms, basically, there are about four things or three things why we move. And even as human beings, it applies in a different sense, but in the same principle. One, we move to find food. So you see animals, if you see an animal moving, one of the main reasons why it is moving is in search of food, especially um, animals and birds. So you see that birds migrate from one place to another. It's either in search of food or the place that stay in the weather is no longer conducive. So they move. And we all move in food. Especially in Africa, most of us move to Europe because of food. In fact, that is why we move. <laughs> so everybody in Africa is looking for one way or another to escape from the continent, all in search of food, basically. The second reason why people move or why living organisms move is in search of a mating partner. And this is also very important. And I always say that if you study the animal kingdom, basically there are only two, three, two or three things they do. They either they are eating, they are reproducing, or they are hiding from the predator. Basically, that's all you do. So I wonder how dogs and cats and the rest are able to survive this boring life. Either they are moving in search of food, moving instead of a mating partner or moving to hide from a predator. So we move because we are looking for a mating partner. And uh, that's why some people believe that in our churches or in certain circles, the ladies are a lot because they move there. They go to the churches because that's where it is believed that they will find their messenger. <laughs> Even the guys do it a lot, especially the boys who claim that they will go around living their own life when they think they are ready to settle. Then they move to the church and they look for beautiful, prayerful, yet a slayer, <laughs> a woman who can slay. <laughs> and they settle down with their friends. So people move from their houses to church instead of meeting partners. And for some people, immediately they find that woman or that man. That is the end of the movement towards church. People move to certain places. People move to parties, move for programs in search of a meeting partner. And the third reason why people move is because they want to escape danger or predation. So especially if you look at the animals, some animals only come at night. The main reason why they come at night is because they want to hide from their predators. And most animals are vulnerable when they are eating. Because when you are eating, your defense is down. And that's when your predator can strike. So mostly if you look at this animal document, you see that mostly the lion or the tiger strikes on a buffalo or something, either when it is bending down to drink water or it is feeding. So if you look at the aquatic environment, some fishes, they are mostly found beneath or deep in within the water. Then during the night, they come on top to get food and they move back down. The reason why they come at night or their movement is to hide from predation. And these are the three reasons why we must also move as Christians in our work with God. If you don't move, you will go hungry. If you don't move, you will not find the help you need. If you don't move, you are in danger. So being alive to God, it means that you are constantly on the move with God. So in Galatians 5 and 16, it says that if you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit also. It is not enough to just live, to exist in the Spirit. Paul is telling us that if you indeed you are alive in the spirit, don't be stationary, but walk in the spirit. And the walk there simply say that conduct your life according to the spirit. But the whole point is that it's not just enough to exist. There must be some form of constant motion, constant motion in the spirit. Because if you do not move, 
you will go hungry. If you do not move, you will not find your help. If you do not move, you will be in danger of a predator. And God is telling us that in the year 2023, we must always be on the move. It's a sign that you are alive to God. One day I was talking to a friend and she was telling me how her grandmother was a very strong old woman. I think she was in the 80s or early 80s by that time or in her late 70s and came to the 80s. And even though she was quite old, she was very strong. But then she lost one of her daughters and that thing really took a toll on her. And from that moment, her health began to deteriorate. And the only reason why her health deteriorated was because the grandma stopped moving. She confined herself to her chair or her mattress. She was so struck by the death of her daughter that it's like life left her. And from that day onward, up till now, over six years or so, the grandma is either on the chair or on the bed. And that's why retirement kills early. Many people, when they grow on retirement, that's when they die faster because they stop moving. There is something about freshness, about strength, about life with movement. And you see, when I was a bit younger, I used to wonder, most of when I'm listening to the radio, I used to hear people give this advice. And don't pick the elevator, pick the stairs. If you are coming in a bus, if you are coming from work, or you are going to work, always alight at the junction before your junction so that you walk that 100 meters to your house. And you'll be seeing so many reports and research about how walking a certain amount of minutes a day can prolong your lifespan. And that's the reason behind the invention of all these smart devices we have or smart watches to calculate our steps, our movement, because there is something about the human body, there is something about life that begins to dwindle when you stop moving. That is why if you look at the difference between an elderly person and a young person, is that a young person is always on the move. So if you are a young person and you are always in your room, always in your house, you are growing you are growing older faster than you, than you would want to. So even when you come to churches, you mostly see the young ones, when it's time for praise and worship, they are always jumping, moving up and down. They are doing the ushering, they are doing the prayers, they are doing... But mostly the elder people are just sitting down giving words of wisdom. <laughs> but what it's unknown to them that the more they sit down, the faster they grow old. So movement is not just a sign of life, but it prolongs life. It prolongs your life. It has a way of releasing energy. It strengthens your muscles. And God is saying, if you want your spiritual muscles to be strengthened, you need to move. Let's go to Deuteronomy 1 from verse 5 following. An interesting thing that God told Moses and that God is telling us through his word is that after Moses had delivered the Israelites, you know, they had an interesting journey in the wilderness. And if you have not listened to our In the Wilderness episode, trust me, it's it's, it's one of my favorites. It's, it's an episode that I believe every child of God who wants to make sense of God's dealings with him is very important that you understand because the way God deals with his children is different from the way God deals with people who are not his children. For we who are children, God takes us to the wilderness. And it's very important to understand the characteristics of the wilderness, why the wilderness etc. But look at what God said, Deuteronomy 1 verse 5. On this side of Jordan, in the land of Moab, began Moses to declare this law saying. So they were given an, an account of what God told Moses. So the writer was giving a summary of what had happened. And the writer is telling us why the God told or why the Israelites moved from where they are. So look at what he says. God told them and said, verse 6, the Lord our God spoke unto us in Horeb, saying, you have dwelt long enough in this mountain. Turn up 
take up your journey and go to the mount of the Amorites and unto all the places nigh hither unto, in the plain, in the hills, in the valley, in the south, by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, unto Lebanon, unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swore unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and unto their seed after them. So they are telling us that a time came that they were comfortable at Horeb because there was less enemies. There was availability of resources. They had the food. They had the water. And they were beginning to think that Horeb was the promised land. And they were comfortable over there. So God had to tell Moses, to tell the people that you have dwelt here for a long time. And God is saying to be alive to me, you must not dwell at Mount Horeb for more than necessary. Unfortunately for us, many of us, our experience with God is still the same. The way God has been dealing with us for the past 10 years is the same way God deals with us. And the way we have been dealing with God, our relationship with God is stagnant. And what we are not realizing is that as long as we are still at the same place, you are beginning to die slowly, but surely. So God told the people that you have stayed here for too long. It's time for you to move. And he said, look at them, say, take your journey. Go into the Mount of the Amorites. Go into the places of the night, of the night thereon. Go into the plain, the hills, the valley, in the south, by the seaside, to the land of the Canaanites, unto Lebanon, unto the great river Ephesus. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land. Move, God is telling us. That God has given us the, the mountain of entertainment, the mountain of arts, the mountain of sports, the mountain of governance, the mountain of politics, the mountains of family, the nations of this world. He has given it to us, but he's saying that move from the church. Many of us, our Christianity is locked up and shut up in the church. Outside of the church, we are no longer functioning Christians. God and Jesus calls us the light of the world, the salt of the earth. He says, go. And for many of us, we are still at Mount Horeb because we have a beautiful family. We have a decent job. We can pay all our bills. We give our tithes. We have enough to give to people. I'm sure this Christmas season, you made certain donations and everything is okay. Your children are brilliant. They are learning. Maybe you are in school. You are performing well in class. Life is comfortable. But what he's saying, because you are taught that Mount Horeb is the promised land, you are dying. Now what causes backsliding? Because many of us, we are comfortable with our dealings with God. That is why we stopped moving. But God is saying, the Mount of the Amorites is there for the taking. The great river Ephrates is there for the taking. The plains are there for the taking. The hills, the south by the seaside, the land of Lebanon and the Canaanites is there for the taking. Move, move. This is God's word to us. Move. And God is telling me that in the year 2023, constantly pray to God that God, I will move wherever I need to move to. You see, even in the economies of nations, movement is key to development. So one of the things that transformed the American economy is when movement became easier, automatically it becomes cheaper and efficient. So the invent or the, the, the rising of the railway industry is one of the things that changed the economy of America. It's one of the things that John D. Rockefeller 
was using to carry his oil throughout America. It's one of the things that made people like Carnegie, the man in the steel industry, he was one of the people that's of the wealthiest people to ever lived. One of the things they had was the railway industry. So countries that have good road network, that have a good railway system, that have a good aviation industry is hardly ever a poor country. So when you look at every poor country in this world, everyone, their road network is terrible. Either there are no roads or they are portals with small <laughs> dots of quota on it. The railway system is down. There is no developed country that does not have a railway system. There is no developed country that does not have a good aviation system. There is no developed country that does not have a good road. So if you look at Africa, it is more expensive and more difficult to travel from, let's say, Ghana to Algeria or Morocco as compared to Ghana to London. So it's more difficult to travel within the continent of Africa than outside the continent of Africa. And that's one of the main reasons why Africa is the way they are. If Africa would change, if the nations in Africa would change, we need to prioritize efficient means of transportation. So you can be doing your business, maybe you are a cocoa farmer, a tomato farmer, and right from your farm in the village, you should be able to load all your goods into a cargo and a train. And in hours, the, 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 the goods should get to, to, to Kenya. If you are in Nigeria, you can be able to live in Nigeria and work in Ghana because in the morning, you just go to the train station and you pick a train and in about an hour, 45 minutes, you have to work in Accra or in Kumasi or anywhere in Ghana and you are able to return. And a country or nations that have this sort of system is never a poor country. Never, never a poor country. Ghana, we are struggling to have our own airline. I'm hearing sometime in this year, Ghana is to come back. We are hoping to see how far that goes. So even movement is key in development. And movement is a sign of life. Even in our Christian world, God is telling us that move. And it's interesting, if you look at the birth of Jesus, it was all about movement. It was all about movement. First, Caesar Augustus gave a law about the census. So they had to move to Bethlehem. And whilst they were there, they had to move from Bethlehem to go and hide because Herod was looking for them. And whilst after a while, they had to move to Nazareth. So it's, it's all about movement. If you look at the birth of Moses, he was born in the mom's in the spirit's house, but he had to move to the river because he was old. And if he cries, the king will hear and he needs to be executed from the water. He had to move into Pharaoh's house. So there's constant moving. If you look at the journey of Jesus in the gospel, there was constant moving. And the most famous one is in, is in John chapter 4, when the Bible said that, and it's need be that Jesus passed through Samaria. That's where he met the woman at the well. There's a need for that kind of movement. And even in Acts chapter 1, he tells us that do not after you have stayed in Jerusalem and you have received the Holy Spirit, don't want to stay there. From Jerusalem, move to Judea. From Judea, move to Samaria. From Samaria, keep on moving till you get to the ends of the well. And God is telling you that you have stayed at this mountain for far too long. It's time to move. Baby Jesus moved. Adult Jesus moved. Moses moved. Abraham was constantly moving. The Bible said that he sought for a city that had foundation, whose builder and maker was God. So because of that, Abraham decided not to build any permanent structure. He was dwelling in tents because he, Abraham said that I am going to keep moving 
until I look for that city that has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. And in the Christian work, you need to constantly be moving. You need to move in your prayer life. You need to move in your word life. You need to move in your giving life. Every year, you need to review the amount of money you give to God's work. And I've said this on the platform before, that sometimes you get so lost up in the normalcy of your activity that sometimes maybe your salary has doubled or tripled, but yet your giving is still the same. But God is telling us that to be alive to me means you should be a moving person. So Paul quoting one of the poets of the people of Ephesus, he said, in him we live and move and move and have our being. Now, in him we live should have been enough. In him who have our being should have been enough. But they added a move because there is just something about movement that is an exhibition of life and that generates strength. That is why people don't like going on retirement because immediately they retire, they stop to move. And for most of us in Ghana, we just open a shop in front of our house. Then we just go and sit there, provision shop, as we call it in Ghana. Those who do anything beyond, they will have a farm in their village. They maybe on Saturdays, they just go to the farm, look at their produce, and they come back to Accra or their house. And they are literally just watching TV the whole day. And what they don't realize is that that reduction in movement is what's causing them to die or to grow faster. And God is saying, your less movement in the spirit, your less movement in your dealings with me is what's causing you to backslide. You need to move. That is why Joseph gave a prophecy concerning his bones. That Charlie, when you people are leaving Egypt, don't forget, don't leave my bones. My bones too must move. My bones too must move. So even Joseph in the bones, he must move. And many times God will let you move, especially your what we call your comfort zone. If God had told Joseph that I go to Egypt, I don't think Joseph would have gone. Maybe he would have gone because Joseph was a good guy. But look at the way God had to, in quote, force Joseph to move from his father's house into a land as big as Egypt, a little more. But God had to take him there through slavery. God told Abraham, leave where you are. Move, move. And if you look at scripture, God has been constantly telling people to move. Because even God's dealing with us is constantly on the move. So if we read Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1, it says that God, who had sundry times and in diverse manners, spoke unto their fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. So God has moved from the way he used to speak with us. First, he used to speak with us through prophets, but in these last days, he has moved from speaking with us to prophets. Now he speaks to us through his son. So even in our dealings with God, there is a movement. One of the scriptures that I saw that I knew that God was speaking to me was one day I was reading about the Israelites. And the Bible said, immediately the Israelites um, started sowing seeds, started planting in their promised land. And they had their first harvest. The Bible said, and then from that day onwards, the manna ceased to flow. So these were people that were used to survive, you know, mana or mana. That's actually the right word. But we have initialized it to mana, to mana. But it's actually mana. So the people for years used to depend on mana. Then one day they enter what we call the promised land. And they plant their seeds. They plant, now if you want cocoa, plant your cocoa. If you want pepper, plant your pepper. If you want cashew, plant your cashew. And after they had their first harvest, their mana stopped flowing. 
and I remember, I, I remember when I read, I just felt like this thing God is telling me that a certain manner I used to enjoy with stuff flows. I remember one day I woke up to a text to a WhatsApp message, and that and that message <laughs> was the end to a certain manner I used to enjoy. And for some of us, maybe you are used to depending on uncles and relatives for survival, but God is telling you that Charlie, that manner will stop flowing. Like especially someone like me, it was really difficult for me when my mana stopped flowing. When now I have to sow and reap. When if I want garden eggs, I must sow garden eggs. If I want pineapple, I must sow pineapple. I say, hey God. So even God moves with his dealing with us. You know, the time came where the prophet Elijah was staying by the books in 1 Kings 17, I believe. The 1 Kings 17 from verse 7 following. Let's, let's just have a look at it. First Kings 17 from verse 7 following. Now it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. So now God had told this prophet Elijah to go and stay by the brook. And the brook was nourishing him. But the Bible said a time came when the brook dried up. So sometimes God's supernatural provision towards you will dry up. And that's one thing that many of us do not learn. That we keep staying at the same place when God has moved from the books. That is why you need to be sensitive to know when God has moved from Mana. You need to know when God has moved from Bethlehem. You need to know when God has moved from the brooks. The brooks can dry up. And the Bible said, when the brooks dried up, because there was no rain in the land, the word of the Lord came unto him saying, Arise unto Zarephath, which belongeth to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. So God was taking care of Elijah by the brooks. But because of famine, the brooks dried up and God told Elijah, it's time to move to Zarephath. And for many of us, we are still at the brooks and we are angry at God. God used to provide through this channel. Why had this channel dried up? And that's when we go into all sorts of funny prayers that anybody holding my destiny, anybody holding my breakthrough, sister, nobody's holding your breakthrough. God has moved from the brooks. God has moved from the brooks. And I believe this is God's word to us. The manna has stopped flowing. It's not because that God is angry with you. It's not because you have disobeyed God, but that God is on the move. And God is saying that if you are still going to wake up in the morning expecting to pick manna, to pick manna from the floor, you will keep complaining. And especially as Africans, our dependency mentality and ratio is too much. If you wonder, I always tell my colleagues that I don't know, I'm not trying to be a study or a student of developed nations. I, I really want to know what makes nations develop. It's one of the things. So if you check my YouTube history, I'm always wondering how come I watch the men who built America. I watch about how UK, United Kingdom, I'm, I'm still trying, even though I'm not fully, a, I'm not a PhD student of it. I'm now in my primary school, but I'm just fascinated by development. That's what I'm fascinated by. And I always get intrigued by these things. And if you look at every developed nation, most of them need to they do transition from something. For example, the United Kingdom, they were one of the world's largest producer of wool that was exported to the big, big companies that make clothing. Then one of the kings that reigned during the time, I forgot the king's name, he realized that exporting wool was not going to make you rich. So he banned the exportation of wool. And if I remember correctly, Either he forced companies who used to buy the wool from England to come and establish their companies in England, or he made the people begin to learn how to turn their wool into clothing. So instead of just exporting their wool, they were now manufacturers of clothing. And that was one of the key things that transformed the economy of England. So imagine you're a business person and all you do is exporting your wool. And now the government puts a ban on 
we would exportation for many of us exporting Africa. Our businesses will collapse. So I remember a time in Ghana, if you wanted to make a phone call, you need to go to a phone booth to make a call. So if maybe you are a phone booth operator, you are really a rich man. Then from the phone booth, I think it went to what we call space to space, telecom centers. So you go to a place, there was one phone, then you make a call. And sometimes you must book, you must tell your friend that call me on Sunday 7 p.m. So seven Sunday 7 p.m., if you are not there, you are in trouble. Then the telecommunication moved, where now people could have landlines in their houses. I remember those times were really interesting because we can finish the land and landlines were very expensive. So mostly if you're making calls, you have to wait for your daddy or your parents not to be around for you to be able to make those calls. Then sometimes they have a way of recording messages or finding out who has called. Then we move from there to mobile phones. Even the mobile phones were very expensive. So imagine you were a telecom center owner. And when the telecommunication industry was moving, you did not move with it. You'll be claiming that this party is against you, government is against you. And that's why many African companies are not able to evolve. They are not able to move with the movings of the economy. So for many of us, we are still blaming government. We are still blaming this. And I always tell my colleagues that if Africa will transform, it depends on the private sector. We cannot trust the government to do much. I believe we have trusted them enough. We can put pressure on the government to act if private industries stand up on their feet. I, I was telling them, just to deviate a bit, I was telling them that I was really sad when I heard that we went for IMF loan of $3 billion, And I was so emotional about it. I was like, ah, Ghana cannot convince me that we cannot raise $3 billion. But immediately you say this thing, the only idea people can come up is taxation. Let's tax this, let's do this, let's eliminate this, let's do this. But there are many ways we can generate money from ourselves from what God has given us. But we are still depending on foreign loans. But God is telling the African countries it's time to move. God is telling you, stop always sending people message, borrow me this, borrow me that, borrow me this. God is saying that the manna is coming to come to an end. I wish like prophesying, <laughs> the prophet, I'll prophesy into your ear that this year manna will stop flowing. It's time for you to sow. It's time for you to sow your mango, sow your garden, sow your pepper, whatever you want, sow it. And stop depending on manna. Stop depending on that uncle, that auntie, that niece, that nephew, that miracle money. And that's one of the trends that has been coming, miracle money. Well, the least said the better. But God is simply telling us to move. It's not really going to be an easy decision. It's never going to be an easy decision. But if you fail to move, you are simply hindering yourself. Then you are simply dying slowly. God is saying that to be alive to me, you must constantly be on the move. That's why it says go, go. So the church is supposed to be a going church, a moving church, a moving church. You must be having branches. You must be moving. You must always be on the move. For some of us, the only thing we do is to go for prayer meetings. The only thing we do is to go for church on Sundays. The only thing we do is to pay our tithes. But God is saying, move. Move in your commitment. Move in your finances. Move in your career. Move. 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 Because when you stop moving, you begin to deteriorate. And that's why for many of us, our Christianity has just become a participation of religious activities. Our experiences with God are the same experiences. So if maybe you are a prophet, all you always do you see, God, God told Aaron and Miriam that I know I speak with you, but the way I speak with Moses, I don't speak with Moses like the way I speak with you. So even how God speaks to people, speaks to prophets, there are levels. In the same thing, Jesus said that when I'm speaking to the, the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, I use parables and stories. But when I'm speaking to you, I speak to you plainly. So if you are still dependent on parables and stories, God is saying move. God is saying move. God is saying move. 
Because movement is a sign of life. God moves in our dealings with him. And we must also move in our dealings with God. Because the manna will stop flowing. And one of the things God wants us to constantly pray in the year 2023 is that God, whenever you move, may I move. I love what Jesus said. I do what I see my father do. And my father has been working up until now. So would I also work. And for some people, someone like me, I just feel like I don't really like change. I want the change, but I don't want to make the change. <laughs> and, now, and I remember sometimes you pray for certain opportunities. And now when the opportunities come and you just look at the movement it has to take. Oh, I remember. I think I said on the platform before that I used to pray for certain gigs certain um, yeah, work opportunities to, to do work for clients and the rest I really wanted it but now when the opportunities that are coming I started to say hey it will take me all my time I need to do this and God I could just feel that God was looking at me and saying hey young man you pray for such opportunities now the opportunities are coming you are saying what my friend got up and moved. <laughs> I remember this festive season, the Christmas. So many gigs came my way. And I was like, hey, God, I want to enjoy Christmas. My friend said that. And one of the things that God dealt me through was that God told me to look around during the Christmas. And as much as people were having fun and, and chilling, or whatever you call it, many people were still working. Many businesses were still operating. Because your chilling period is somebody's um, cocoa season. And in Ghana, we say cocoa season. It means your bumper season. So look at, for example, event organizers. Look at those who rent chairs and canopies and speakers from program after program, program after program. If these people who are, are, are custodians of entertainment are working during the Christmas season are moving from at Accra Sports Stadium to International Conference Center to um, Independence, they are constantly moving, moving. And if you want to sit down, please move. In Him we live and move and have our being. I feel like this year God is going to move us. And God doesn't want you to oppose his movement. I feel like this year God is telling us that you have stayed at this mountain for far too long. The land of the Canaanites is there for the taking. The land of the Moabites, the Lebanon land, the great sea, the great sea of Ephesus. It's time for you to move to purchase those lands. It's time for you to move. Some of us, the movement is towards marriage. It's time for you to move. For some of us, the movement is career. The movement is where you are this thing. The movement. And you see, please, all this is premised on the fact that you see God moving. So don't just move because you want to move, but you move because you can sense God is moving. You should be able to sense. That is why our study is a builder. First, you should be able to sense God. Second, you should have the energy to respond to the stimuli. And third, when you have the energy, make the move. Don't force God to let your brothers hate you. So they sell you to slavery to Egypt. If God is telling you to go to Egypt, brother, please just wake up and go. Because if you don't, <laughs> you may find yourself naked in the pet. You may find yourself being sold to the Ishmaelites. And you may find yourself in Pharaoh's house or in Potiphar's house as a servant. But to be alive to God is to be constantly on the move. And we want to just spend some time in prayer that God, when you are in Bethlehem, let us move to Bethlehem. When you move to Samaria, let us move. When you come to Nazareth, let us go to Nazareth. When you go to Galilee, let us go to Galilee. Jesus was constantly on the move. Constantly. The Holy Spirit is constantly on the move. And so as we, the body of Christ, the members of the body of Christ, members of the household of Christ, we need to constantly be on the move. Just speak to God, our Father. 
may I be on the move for you this year. May I move from my mouth horribly this year, Lord. Father, may I move because you tell me to move. May I not get scared of the promised land. Some of us, sometimes the promised land can be intimidating. Sometimes, I remember sometimes when you get some clients or some opportunities and just look at the offer. Hey! Sometimes good good things can be intimidating. But God is saying move. God is saying move. God is saying move. God is saying move. God, not yourself. Sometimes we interpret these things wrongly. Maybe you are in a marriage and God is saying move. Maybe sometimes you are in a marriage and God is telling you to move. Because a marriage is literally killing your body, your soul, and your spirit. But all this is because God is moving. God is moving. Father, may we move. In the name of our Lord Jesus, stop being an old person in the spirit. Stop being an old person in the spirit. Stop being reluctant to move. Stop being like my friend's grandmother, who if you are telling her to go and brush her teeth, she finds it so difficult to move. But maybe move. Maybe move in the name of our Lord Jesus. Maybe move, Father. Maybe move in the year 2023. Maybe be alive to you. For even as we walk in the spirit also, even as we live in the spirit, we walk in the spirit also. Even as we live in the spirit, maybe walk in the spirit also. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Father, constantly remind us to be alive to you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Wow. The year has started so great for us and we are believing that God is still ruling and reigning in the affairs of our life. We acknowledge God's lordship of our life and we acknowledge that we are experiencing his generosity in the land of the living. Thank you for being with us. We appreciate your presence. Thank you for exposing yourself to renew your mind. And remember, we are still moving and giving God our best and we are making sure that we are moving to settle all our our debts of love we owe anybody. See you next week. Even as we look at the fourth reason for the fourth characteristics of what it means to be alive to God. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. See you next week and have a good day. Bye-bye.